Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3. <laughs> Verses 1 to 13. I'm personally really excited to hear what the Lord has to say through Paul in this verse. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. And I will uh, read from the English Standard Version. So please follow along. And this is the Word of God. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, thanks, Daniel. And welcome. Uh, good to see everyone. Can we turn to four people around us and say, hello, good to see you today. I don't know about you, I'm super excited to meet Madison. Um, I don't know, like, it's, when it's someone else's baby, it's like, I don't know, I'm super excited, especially because Peter, um, I was going to say, I think she came just in time for uh, Father's Day. She was like, this, he, he, she wanted him to celebrate his first Father's Day today. Um, and I was thinking, when Daniel said, like, Maddie is not the short for Madison, what, what else can it be? It's like, mad, son, Ethan, I son, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, we didn't plan this, but I think it kind of works that today is Father's Day, because today we're uh, coming to this topic on elders, right, which are kind of like the fathers of the household of God. And so what we're going to look at today is uh, what elders are. Let me give you a little bit of context of where we've been. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Timothy as he pastors the church of Ephesus. And so far he's talked about healthy church. The healthy church has a healthy doctrine, right? That was chapter one. Healthy church has healthy prayer, right? Peter talked about that a few weeks ago. And last week, I talked about how a healthy church doesn't follow the ways of the world, 
but follows the ways of God. Right? It doesn't follow individualism, but it follows pursues community. Right? It doesn't follow glamour, right? how you look and what you wear, but it follows character. It pursues character. And it doesn't pursue what the world deems as equality, right? but it pursues creation's order in the church. Right? In the context of the church, the role of men and uh, women are different and distinct. Now, if you want to hear that sermon, you can uh, chase that up on podcast. But like I said, today, we're looking at elders. Because a healthy church needs healthy leaders. Right? A healthy church needs healthy leaders. And so today, I've got three points for us today. Number one, what are elders? Number two, what do elders do? And number three, who should be an elder? And in the process, I'll briefly talk about deacons, just kind of in passing. Now, some of you might be thinking, elders, leaders of the church, why should I care? Right? And, I, and I get that. I mean, in a bad way. You might be sitting here thinking, you know what? I went through a tough week. I just want God to speak to me in my life. Something that seems relevant and applicable to me. But this topic matters to all of us, right? Whether you think that or not. Because elders and who's in the leadership of the church will eventually trickle down to you, right? to this service, to how this uh, culture feels, right? How this church is um, going. People say that organizations rise and fall with leaders, Right? I don't know. When it comes to the church, I'm not completely on board with that because church will rise and fall with God. Right? He's ultimately in control. But God has chosen to work through people. Right? And therefore, because God chooses to work through people, the kinds of leaders that we have in the church really matter. That's how God tends to work, through people, through leaders. And so this is relevant to you because if you enjoy Kingsway, if you've benefited from Kingsway, you like certain things about Kingsway, for these things to continue or for these things to get better, well, we need good leaders. Right? This topic might not seem relevant to you today, immediately, but it will affect you in the long term. Right? It's one of those things that has long-term consequences and deep effect on the church. And so, elders, right, let's talk about this. This this chunk of verses is really like three sermons. And so I kind of jam-packed this. I'm just going to warn you. It's a little bit like information heavy, but that's fine, right? We'll be okay? All right. Number one, elders, what are they? Right? We never get to talk about elders. So I want to really kind of tell you as much as I could and skip a bunch of stuff because I couldn't. Okay, what are they? This is how I'm going to define it. Elders are a group of men who lead the local church. Elders are a group of men who lead the local church. Let me break down a few of those underlined words for us. Elders lead, right? They're leaders. Paul doesn't explicitly outline it here today in our passage, but when you look at what elders are throughout the scriptures, it's very clear that they are the highest form of leaders in the local church. So at Kingsway, it would be the utmost leaders of the church. Now, there are other ways that you can lead in a church, it's not the only kind of leadership. You can lead teams, lead groups, lead events, lead you know, reading groups, studies, classes. There are all these ways you can lead, but the highest form of leadership in the church are the elders, or we call them the elder board. And I'll unpack this later in what they do. But second also, elders are a group. Elders are a plurality. 
In nearly all occasions that elders are spoken of in the Bible, it's always more than one person. For example, and I just pick one passage, Acts 14. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, this context is Paul is going on his first missionary journey. He's just starting his, I guess, ministry, going around, preaching the gospel. And as he comes around back to the churches, right, this is his first journey that he's doing, building churches. One of the first things he does after preaching the gospel is establish elders. And this is multiple elders in every church. Now, some churches have a single leader at the top of the church who holds all the power who makes all the decisions and, you know, kind of at the end of the day has the final say, right? One elder model or one leader model. Um, but we don't believe in that model of church. We believe in a plurality, a group of leaders at the top who together make the high-level decisions of a church. And so even now we have a council. From the beginning of our launch, we had a kind of quasi-interim elder board. We call it the interim council so that I was never at the top by myself that we would make decisions together. Right? And when we eventually vote elders, and I'll explain that later on, we will have a group, and we, the group, will decide. We think that keeps accountability. Not one person has too much power. We think that's biblical, most of all, and it honors God. And there's all these other benefits that I won't go into today. Number three, elders are also men. Elders are a group of men who lead a local church. Now, I mentioned this last week when I talked about the role of women and men in the church. And so I'm not going to unpack this, uh, but if you want to look into it, again, look at, uh, you can hear last week's sermon. But what's interesting is in last week's passage, right, this is right before what we're reading now. So we've got chapters in our Bible, but in the original Greek, there's no chapters, there's no verses. So basically, we, it's like we read the part about what Paul recommends women not to do, and then immediately he talks about elders. Now, what he said women should not do in the church were two things I said. Women should not lead men, right, in the, let's say in the gathered congregation, right, the highest form of leadership. And they should not teach men, like what, what I'm doing now, right, in the gathered congregation especially. And when we're going to go to what elders do, it's very interesting, the two main things they will do, and I want to enter a third later, but they lead the church and they teach the church, right? It's no... It's no coincidence that after Paul says, I encourage women not to do these things, that he then turns around and says, elders, men, do these things. Again, all throughout the Bible, every time elders are spoken of, always male. And even in this passage today, they are men. Right? He talks about their wives. And lastly, what are elders? Elders are groups of men who lead a church. They're elders. Now, in the passage here today, it talks about overseers, right? Can you see that? Oh, it's not there. Right? In, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, aspire to the office of overseer. I don't know if you notice, I've been using the word elder. And the reason why is that elders are overseers. They are pastors. Biblically, and is the majority view, and you can look at the Bible if you want and study it, biblically, office of an elder is the same as a pastor, is the same as an overseer. It's the same. Um, I'm going to go to a few passages for us to, to unpack this. Acts 20, right? There's, there's multiple we could have gone to, but I'm going to go to Acts 20. Now from Miletus, 
Paul, the Apostle Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders. So he's calling the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, Paul said this. And Paul says a bunch of different things. Right? This is to the group of elders. But he, when you go to verse 28, he tells the elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Right? Notice the imagery of sheep and shepherds. Pay attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you. There's this word, overseers and to care for the church of God. And that word care is the word, again, shepherd. Now, overseers, we've got, um, sometimes people translate that as bishop, so that's one term. You've got pastors, which, if you, if you know, comes from the Latin word for shepherd. So the, the reason why we call people pastors is basically we're calling them shepherds. The Latin word for shepherd is how we got the word pastor. So you've got shepherds and pastors, or you've got um, elders. So you've got these three titles. And here in Acts, we see them all. Paul calls the elders. He says, God has made you overseers, and you are to care. That word is shepherd. You should shepherd your church. If you look in the Bible, those three titles, they're just mixed up. They just use them interchangeably to refer to the same group of people. Again, 1 Peter 5. Now, this is Peter now. Previously, it was Paul. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock, right? Pastor the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, right? Now it's the verb form of an overseer, same root Greek word, right? Again, Peter is using these three terms interchangeably. There's a bunch of verses that will also connect two of these pairs together, but we just don't have the time, and you kind of connect them all together. And it's very convincing that in the Bible, these three offices are the same one. Now, in church life today, I think we kind of muddle up the use of these terms. It's a little confusing. And maybe in the churches you've been at... uh, some of the churches I've been at, even under my leadership, I think we've used these words uh, not as accurately as the Bible shows us. Because um, when we think about pastors, I don't know, for you, when you think about pastors, what do you think about? You probably don't think elders, but elders are pastors, pastors are elders. When you think of pastors, you might think in the church, the people who are paid to do stuff, right? They're the pastors. And when you think about elders, you're like, well, they're something else, right? They're not paid. But those two groups are totally different groups that do totally different things. But the Bible says, no, they're one group. They do the same thing, right? Their function in the church is the same. A pastor is an elder, is an overseer. Now, I think the reason why we began to use these terms a little differently is to help us know in the church which elders are not paid and which elders are paid to do their work. And so maybe out of the three terms we have, let's use elder for the ones who aren't paid, right? And so that's how we tend to use it. Elders are the group of people who lead the church not paid. And maybe we'll use one of those three terms for the ones who are paid. Let's call them pastors, right? And so I think that's where the divergence of the terms came. Pastors are the ones who are paid. But what what I want you to understand is, I don't mind if we use it that way, what I want you to understand is, biblically, they're the same group, doing the same role, right, in the church. Pastors are 
elders are overseers. And so, for example, my role in some churches, they'll call me a teaching elder, right? Because I am an elder of the church. And all the elders are also pastors, right? And I'll come to that when I talk about what elders do. Now, technically then, technically, um, Daniel and Peter and even Sarah are not pastors because they're not elders. Right? And that's my, I'm not blaming you. It's my fault because, you know, I've called, I've called Daniel for the longest time pastor. I don't know if you remember for a while, a few years ago, I tried to call him student pastor, student minister. That was my way of like, ooh, like we should kind of be more accurate biblically, but it never caught on. Because we're so used to calling him pastor, and no one's going to go, student pastor Daniel. And so that just, I was like, what, whatever. But technically, right? And again, I don't want to be nitpicky, but technically, they're not elders. At least Peter and Daniel are not elders yet. And so technically, they should not be called pastors, right? In different churches, they'll use different terms for them. You've got apprentices, student ministers, you've got workers, pastoral workers. They try to mix it up. But I don't care so much about the terms we use. I just want you to understand, in the Bible... Pastor, elder, overseer, same office, and they do the same things, right? As long as we know that. Now, I'm not going to change what you call Peter and Daniel and Sarah. Like, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to be able to affect that. Um, But what I want to say maybe that might help is as we plant the Kingsway, this is something I wanted us to do. Um, I just want us to just drop titles. I'm happy just to be Paul, for him to be Daniel and Peter, and maybe that'll just make easier. We all have different functions in the church. We don't go around saying elder so-and-so, right? We don't go around saying ministry leader so-and-so. I'm happy to be Paul. And let's just drop the titles, but we do have these specific offices in the church under God. And in the offices, in our function, the elder, pastor, overseer, they're the same group of people. All right, this is what elders are. Does that make sense? If you have questions, you can ask me later. Number two. Elders, what do they do? As a part of the congregation of Kingsway, what can you expect from your elders? What can you expect them to do in the midst of the church? Now I'm going to read from chapter 5 here. We were in chapter 3 just to help us. In chapter 5 of the same letter, Paul says, Let the elders, and so again notice he says elders here. Back then in chapter 3 he was talking about overseers, but it's elders. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so there's three things I want to say elders do and that you can expect. Number one, elders lead the church. Now I talked about this. They're the highest form of leadership in the church. Here in this passage in chapter five, uh, Paul talks about elders who rule. Even the title of overseer in the title itself shows that this group of people they lead. Also in verse 4 to 5 here, Paul talks about how elders need to manage their household, right? be good fathers and leaders in the household because, right? he says, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? And so the reason why Paul says we need this qualification in an elder to be able to lead their family and the house is because they're going to come into the church and they're going to lead the house of God. Right, and so we want to see it there so that we can see it here. And if they can't lead their house and their children, how can we expect them to lead 
God's children and God's house. Okay? And so elders, they lead the church. Now their role is not to micromanage every detail of the church, uh, but to make these high-level decisions, to set directions, and the big picture stuff uh, that will trickle down into all the other teams and the daily life of the church. Now as elders lead, I want to make clear that they lead with submission to Christ. But elders don't just get to do what they want. We are submitted to our leader, Jesus Christ, the head of the church. We're guided by Scripture. The Word of God tells us what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And we're characterized by humility. Right? Elders don't, in that place of leadership, like in the family, the husband does not lead in an authoritative manner that puts other people down. Leaders in the Christian life serve, just as Christ our King came to serve. And that's very important. But elders lead. Second, elders feed the church. And the main way they feed the church is through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, overseers or elders need to be able to teach. Out of the list of everything Paul says here in chapter 3, this is the only function that is listed. Everything else is like a character trait. It's who they are and how they live. But here is the only example where Paul specifies, this is what I want them to be able to do. They must be able to teach. Now, when Paul writes to Titus, he says something similar. Verse 5, appoint elders in every town as I've directed you. And then when he gets to verse 7, he calls them overseers. Again, he he uses those two words um, interchangeably. And then verse 9, he says, the elder or the overseer must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. What you should be able to expect from an elder is, number one, that they know the word of God. Not completely or perfectly, none of us do. Right, if there's this much you can know, we're all like trying to around here or below, and one day we're going to go see Jesus, and finally we'll know everything as it should be. But they should know the, the scriptures pretty well, enough to be able to teach. They should be able to teach. Elders teach the church. This is the main way that the flock is fed. And not only do they teach the church, they should be able to guard the church and rebuke those who contradict it. Know enough about the Bible to defend what we believe. This is what you can expect from your elders. Now, not all elders will teach on a public platform. They may do it off the pulpit, in growth groups, in small groups, maybe in seminars and workshops. But what's important is that they are able to do this. Another thing to note is that not all people in the church who teach are elders. You can teach without being an elder. You know, we teach each other all the time, exhort and admonish one another. When you meet up for a coffee, you're teaching each other and speaking God's word to each other. When you gather in growth gifts, you're teaching each other. So not all teachers are elders, but all elders are teachers. They should be able to teach. And again, maybe not up here, but elsewhere. You know, if you go to like, I don't think you see this as much in Asian churches, but you go to like a local church, sometimes the the non-paid elder 
right, you lay elder or whatever. They got a full-time job at, let's say, uh, um, somewhere else, like a bank. Sometimes they stand here in front of the church and they'll preach. I know that's kind of weird for some. Like, what, 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 who are they? They're not, they're not the pastor. They're an elder. They should be able to teach in the church, right? It would be great. Maybe in the future, our future elders will stand up here and preach God's word. Right? I think that is a part of what they could do if we so decided. This makes sense that elders are able to feed the church in this way. God leads his church through his word. And therefore, God's leaders should be able to lead his church through his word as well. Now, Timothy, uh, Paul talks, says to Timothy here in chapter 5, he talks about those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so there's a group in the elders, those out of that group who labor, particularly in preaching and teaching. Now, this can mean two things. They exert more energy and time into preaching and teaching, right? That's what I do, which is why I'm here more often. And in order for me to do this, the church will support me that I can study the word from Monday to Friday, that I can stand up here. I labor in this, right? And also labor in terms of this is my job or work or vocation, right? And we'll talk about that when we get to chapter five, right? So there are amongst that group of elders, those who are paid that they might particularly focus on the work of teaching, but also leading the church. Number three, Elders lead, elders feed, and elders heed the need of the church. Right? Do you feel the need for speech? Okay. I really try to make that rhyme. Look, I've got a lot of information. I'm going to try to make it at least a little bit memorable. Elders heed, elders care for the church is another way to say it. Elders heed the need for the church, right? When we think about the word shepherd, we think of a, a, a leader who cares for the sheep. Right? And this is embodied in what the elders do. Right, shepherds, pastors, same word. Paul says to Timothy, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Paul says in Acts 20, pay careful attention, right? Heed the need, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, right, the sheep, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and care for them, right? Shepherd them. And they've translated that care. Because part of shepherding is caring. The elders of the church aren't just a group that meet in a, an office sometime, away from the church and make decisions, or just stand on the pulpit far away from everyone and just teach. They do these things, but also they get into the life of the church to a certain degree as much as possible. Elders care for the church. Now, elders can't care for every single person and fill every need for the, every person, which is why the church, again, we submit and lead each other, we teach each other, and we care for each other, and yet elders kind of in a very oversight way care for the church as a whole. And they see needs, and they step in, and they call people, they reach out, do you want to have coffee, are you doing okay? When things are lifted up to the elders and they hear about certain people struggling with certain things, they will go out of their way to, to try to help them. That, that's a part of the care that a shepherd is meant to do. But what I want you to know is that elders are in the life of the church. One book I read said shepherds are to smell like sheep. Because right? they're in the midst of the sheep. In the life of the sheep, meeting up with people. They have relationships with the people of the church. 
So these are the three things that you can expect elders to do. What do elders do? They lead the church, they feed the church, they heed the needs of the church. It's helping you memorize, maybe. Now, very quickly, what about deacons? Daniel read verse 8 to 13. It says a whole chunk about deacons. I'm not going to really talk about them, um, but I'm going to briefly talk about them, okay? The word deacon uh, is actually a transliteration. It's not a translation, right? It's, the, the Greek word there is diakonos, right? Can you kind of see how it's deacon? Diakonos, deacon. We just kind of basically took the sound of diakonos and we said deacon. Now, that word translated means servant, And out of the 29 times this noun, deacon, or servant, shows up in the Bible, only three of the 29 is translated deacon as an office, as a a position in the church. 26 of the 29 times it shows up in the Bible, it's servant. That's not a position in the church. It's like an identity. I'm a servant of Christ. That's not a position in the church. It's just who you are as a Christian. It's something that you do. And so for me, I don't know, this might be the minority view. Oh, and by the way, next chapter in chapter 4 there, that same word, servant, is diakonos, right? But it's translated as servant in next chapter. This might be the minority view, but um, it could be that what Paul is describing is not a position, like the elders are a position in the church, but just this is what servants of Christ are like. If you want to be a servant of Christ in the church, you want to serve the church, this is what you should look like, and you list the qualifications. Now, when you look at the Bible, uh, it's very hard to know what deacons actually do. It's never explicitly outlined. But I can tell you what they don't do, they don't teach. The Bible says in this passage, in chapter 3, they hold to the mystery of the faith, so they know the the gospel, but it doesn't say they teach it. Elders, they know and teach, but deacons, they know. It doesn't say that they teach. Also, they don't lead the church. Deacons, like elders, are called to manage their children and their households well, but Paul doesn't connect that to then managing God's household. He only does that for elders. And so elders, they teach the household of God, and they lead the household of God, but the deacons implied that they do not. So they don't teach, they don't lead. And also what's interesting is that Paul says elders should not be new Christians, but he never says that for deacons. And so elders should be mature, aged Christians, but servants, well, anyone can serve in the church is how I understand it. So deacons basically do the work of ministry to free up the elders to lead, to teach, and to care for the church. And you see this in Acts chapter 6. I'm not going to read this for us. But people say this is the first example of deacons. The word deacon actually doesn't come up here. You've got the word serve there. That's the verb form of deacon. Diakonein. Um, but that's just the verb. It's they serve. And in this example, it's Acts 6. The disciples are getting so busy because the church is growing. And they're like, we can't focus on our preaching because we're doing all this stuff. And so they choose people in the church to do certain things take care of the uh, widows, so that they can focus on their role, which is to teach and pray in this, in this passage. And so the deacons or the servants of the church do the work of ministry. They're in the teams. They're in our ministries. They're ministry leaders so that the elders or the pastors can teach, can lead, and care for the church. All right? I don't know if that made sense. All right, number three, elders. 
who should be an elder. So I've talked about what elders are. I've talked about what they do. Now let me talk about who should be an elder. Now this matters to us because at the end of next year, we've got about a year, we will vote in our first official group of elders. Now I explained that until, until then, right now, we've got an interim council. It's on a yearly term. But from next year, we'll vote in elders who will be here on a more permanent term. And so this is important for us to know, both for when we vote for elders, but also for you to know what the standard of eldership is and whether you're a man or woman to aspire to these kind of holiness qualities. Right? And if you're a woman, maybe look at the role of the, the qualifications of a deacon because there's a lot of overlap there as well. And also to help you, I've made it into this alphabetical little thing. Uh, maybe it'll help you pay attention a little bit more. So the acceptability, A, acceptability of an elder is B, Bible teacher. I talked about this. They are able to teach. They know the Bible, teach the Bible, guard the Bible. C, character. Now this is the most important aspect of an elder. When you think about an elder in your workplace, or a leader in your workplace, what they t- tend to look for is competency. Can they get the job done? Can they get results? Character, maybe like, okay, we care about character, but it's probably at least second, third, or maybe like kind of fifth or sixth, right? So we would hire a person to be in a position of leadership, even though their character may not be the best in in, in your workplace. Not so in a church. What's most important is character. More than competency. Again, the only one time competency is talked about is they can teach. Everything else in this list in chapter 3 is character. Who they are. Right? This is most important in choosing an elder. There's a few things Paul talks about. I'm not going to unpack them all. But he talks first about being above reproach. He begins and ends this list with this. Verse 2. An overseer must be above reproach. And in verse 7, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. When he writes to Titus, he says it twice, they must be above reproach. The expectation of an elder or overseer or pastor is not that they're perfect, not that they live an impeccable life, but they should live an exemplary life. If you went around and asked people, what do you think about so-and-so, for the most part, you will hear good things. And and not no one, but nearly no one would say nothing bad about them. Right? That's what you should expect from the leaders of your church. Verse 2 talks about being respectable. And that's important. Because if you have a person who, you know, let's say outside of church or inside the church, their character's not bad, they're the best, their language isn't the best, they're a bit, you know, when, when you speak to them, they're a bit offensive and all of that stuff, well, they're going to be hard to follow. Right? You want someone who will be easy to submit to, and who represents Christ well. Also, in terms of character, Paul talks about self-control. Sober-minded, self-controlled, not a drunkard. When he writes to Titus, he says, self-controlled and disciplined. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. A Spirit-filled leader is a self-controlled leader. And self-control is important because it's a, one of the signs of maturity. To control your passions and your desires, my, my, my anger even, to be patient, all of these things are the product of self-control. A leader is also gentle. 
Verse 3, Paul says, They are not to be violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. To Titus, Paul says, He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or violent. A shepherd is not a bully. Again, in the workplace, you have these kind of strong, even offensive leaders. But they get the job done, and so we kind of think, that's okay. I think of people like Steve Jobs, right? I love Apple. If you read his biography, which I have, he seemed like maybe not the best guy to be around sometimes. Like very like angry and hurtful and pushes you. And some people are like, oh, but I understand because it, it helped us to be the best that we can. No, not in the church. No bully leaders. Have you seen The Last Dance about Michael Jordan? Oh, like maybe it's not the best kind of nicest guy. And you might forgive him in basketball, not in the church. It's not okay for leaders in the church to be, you know, to put down people and, you know, to, to pressure people and use their authority in a negative way. Peter describes it as not domineering over those in your charge. Fourth, also, in character, they are not to be greedy. Paul says they should not be a lover of money. And to Titus, he says they should not be greedy for gain. I think there's a tendency to see someone wealthy and say, they must make a good leader. Because they're wealthy, they got a good job, that must mean that they're smart, they know what they're doing, they must be able to make good decisions, da 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 And I, I don't know, maybe when we see someone wealthy, we automatically connect that to being a great leader. I'm not saying that's not the case. Well, what Paul's saying is, it's not that simple. You can't just look at wealthy people and say that they're going to make great leaders. Because they might be wealthy because they love money. And Paul says they should not love money. Now, you can be poor and love money. But all I want to say is wealth is not directly linked to leadership. Neither is poverty directly linked to leadership. The godly trait we're looking for is not wealth. It is not loving wealth. Rich people find it hard to not love money. Poor people find it hard to not love money. We all find it hard to not love money. What we're looking at is not money. We're looking at not Loving money, right? They shouldn't love money. Shouldn't be greedy. D, right? Bible, C was character. D is desire. There is no such thing as a reluctant elder. Paul says in verse 1 here, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. An elder should want to be an elder. Right? Not like, oh, you should be an elder. Oh, no, 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 you should be an elder. No, no, you should be an elder. Oh, fine, I'll be an elder. No, that's not how it works. Okay? That's not the way it should be. Now, now, if that person really wants to be an elder inside, but they're like, no, no, not me, well, they, they should just kind of be more honest. Because Paul's saying this is something you should desire. It's, it's a good thing. Now, on the flip side, if someone really, really wants to be an elder because they want power, because they want to be popular, because they want that position, well, not them either. Desire it for the sake of the church and for the glory of God. But 
elders should desire this position. Aspire to it, Paul says. It is a noble task. Now, if you are a man here in the church, Paul is saying, this is something that you should aspire toward. What a privilege it is to serve God's church and his people in this position. Pursue holiness. Seek to be the kind of person listed here. Leadership is not a burden. We sometimes think, oh man, do I have to lead that thing? It shouldn't be a burden. It should be an aspiration. E, established. Paul says elders, right, not deacons, should be established Christians. He must not be a recent convert. There's a degree of wisdom and experience that we expect of elders and so not new Christians. But also new Christians who might be given into that place of leadership may lead to pride, he says. They might not have the maturity to be in that position of, let's say, authority while also being humble and willing to serve. Paul talks about being puffed up, so not new Christians. And F, family. This is the last one, but not least. Oh, no, no, there's one more, sorry. Elders are expected to lead the family well. I talked about this. Lead the home, lead the church. Now, this comes out in two ways. Paul talks about being a one-woman man. The husband of one wife, he says, to both Timothy and Titus. Now, some would say this excludes people who are therefore divorced or remarried. But I don't think that's what this text is saying. The literal translation is a one-woman man. And it's not about the quantity, but the quality of that relationship. Faithfulness to your wife. And so this would also then imply um, your lust. Do you look at pornography? Right? These kinds of factors would come into play when you choose or don't choose an elder or a pastor. Now, this does not mean people who are unmarried don't get to be elders. This does not mean that people without children don't get to be elders, because he talks about leading your children. Uh, Jesus and Paul were not married and never had children, and they still led the church. And they are to be effective fathers, okay? He must manage his own household well, and with dignity keep his children in submission. And then G, last, gender. Elders must be men as I explained before. A lot of information. I'm, I'm nearly done. Let me just summarize. What are elders? Elders are a group of men who lead the local church. Elders, pastors, overseers. Same group. They are a group, plurality, of men who lead the highest form of leadership in a church. And what elders do is that they lead, they feed, they heed the needs of the church. Right? They lead, they teach, and they care. And who should be an elder? A, B, C, D, F, G, acceptability, Bible, character, desire. They are established, family, gender. That is who an elder should be. It's a high bar for what an elder should be. Um, But they should be. Uh, You don't just pick any person to be an elder. Uh, You might pick people and give them opportunities to serve. Give people opportunities to lead. But to be an elder is something that um, you really need to be prayerful about and careful about. Now at Kingsway, 
We have plurality. Again, from the beginning, it was never me by myself making decisions. We always had this council around me. At the moment, uh, since the start of the church, it's been Songsu and Thomas uh, that have, together with me, been in the interim elder board, or we call it the interim council, making decisions. And at the end of this year, we will have one more round of that interim council. This next group will serve for one more year, and then next year, we will vote our first round of elders. And elders in our church are in a term of four years. So that next group of elders we we appoint will serve for four years, and then they may, at the end of the four years, be voted in again for another four years. Now, if they do four years back-to-back and do eight years, they need to have one year rest in between. So the match you can serve in one goes eight years, they have a sabbatical, and then after that year, they might be voted again. And that kind of resets, do four years, four years again, right? But that's how we're doing it, four-year terms, and you can double up the four years, but then you need to have a sabbatical. We've set a ratio so that there's not too much power in the pastors, right, the paid elders, uh, so that there's always one more non-paid elder than paid elders, right? One more lay elder than pastors, if that makes sense. So right now, I'm the only technical elder, um, even though Peter and Daniel are paid and Sarah's paid, um, but so, which is why we have two lay um, people, people from the church who are in the council. So next year, we're going to choose our first round of elders. And I know that feels far away, but this is so important, which is why I just dumped a whole lot of information on you, because this church will rise and fall with the people who are in that position. It will affect everything. And so it's something that we need to be praying for even now. And so in terms of what it means for you, I've got just two things. Pursue holiness. Again, whether you are male or female, there are qualifications in here that we should be pursuing. And again, if you're a female, you can read the qualifications of a deacon, because that's explaining what servants in general are like in the church. But especially if you are a man, pursue holiness. And maybe one day, aspire to this noble task. Leadership is not a burden. It is a privilege to love and serve God and love and serve His people. Don't pursue it for power or pride. Pursue it to serve God and expand His kingdom. And then pray. Pray for your elders. Pray for our current interim council. Pray for this next round that's going to serve for another year. I'd love for this next round because really this is like the next, the last testing kind of group that we have. And then it's like, it's real, okay? So I'd love for this last round to like, I don't know, to to be really a solid group. And I don't know if, if there'll be extra people in it, maybe. But I'd love for this next round to kind of be near exactly what we want so that when we hit the end of next year, we can vote in um, our first round of elders for sure. But please pray for our leaders. Please pray for me. Please pray for our future elders as well, Peter and Daniel, as they um, continue in this church and become voting members of the elder board or, you know, full-time pastors or however you want to term it. Um, Pray for them. Pray for the current council members. Pray for next year, right, for the next leaders that will lead this church. I don't know, this felt unapplicable to maybe some of us. One day, you will realize how important it is. When it goes wrong, you will realize 
how important this, this is. And I pray that you'll never realize that. <laughs> but we need to pray then. I don't know if you've seen churches break apart from the inside out. Not because of the people in the congregation, but because of the people who take the top places of leadership in a church. It's so important. And so let's close our eyes and let's, let's pray. Let's pray. As we pray, I'm just going to quickly ask us to pray for yourself. As you read this list, I don't know about you, it feels very high and lofty. And I didn't even get to unpack everything in it. Um, I think a degree of, wow, this feels too holy is healthy. um, Because we should all be pushed to be like Christ. Again, we're not looking for perfection, uh, but we are looking for exemplary people. Um, And so commit yourself to God and ask that God will help you to be a holy person. Uh, Even if you're not a man, um, to be the kind of holy person that honors and pleases God. And would you pray for our current and future leaders? Would you pray for um, the paid staff here? I would pray for the interim council, myself, Song Su Thomas. Would you also pray for Peter, Daniel, and Sarah who are on staff? Would you pray for this next round of council members for the next year? Would you pray for our future elders that will vote in at the end of 2023? Pray that God would help us be wise, choose well, that we'll be vigorous in terms of qualifying our elders, that we'll pick the right people, that will work in humility to be unified and to lead this church in a way that honors and pleases God. Protect our leaders, God, from temptation. Be with them in their family. Uh, may their character, uh, most importantly, who they are in private, may their character honor and please you. So can we pray for ourselves and pray for our leaders and then we'll sing a song.